I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Once again, it is time for us to dive into the mm, crapshoot of a world called the Disney Channel Original Movie. As of this recording, we've only done one DCOM, and that was one of the very early ones, Xenon. We are fast-forwarding all the way to 2015 with Descendants. Um... Descendants is a weird one because it's clearly trying to, it's clearly Disney, or at least the Disney Channel, trying to mooch off the popularity of other teenage and younger franchises. Um, oh, hey, it's a, fr- it's a school featuring the children of famous fictional characters. Yeah, I saw that. I heard of it. It was called Monster High. And even then, all of that can be traced back to the popularity of the Harry Potter franchise. Especially yeah. in this movie, especially in this movie having a school full of magic and a completely fictionalized sport. But but no, you don't understand. This is a high school that's a musical. A high school that's a musical? That'll never work. Who would ever want to see see a musical about high school from Disney of all places? Yeah. But, I mean, you you, kind of see where they're coming from here. And, yeah, you're right. It is mooching off the popularity of high school musical. It's mooching off the popularity of, of Monster High, of Harry Potter, of... Really, Disney taking all of their characters and putting them to one world. We've seen that before. Kingdom Hearts, House of Mouse, Once Upon a Time, which was airing at the time of this movie. <laughs> and they even pulled some of the actors from that and put them in this. I mean, if it, other studios would probably shy away from that. Warner Brothers is notorious for not having certain characters appear both in a movie and a television show of the same premise uh look up the term bet embargo yeah but but disney was like yep you know what we have a tv show where all our characters are are together we got video games of all of our characters together let's make a tv movie of all of our characters together and then within just a year or two, we're going to make a feature film with some of these same characters. I mean, you know. Yeah. It's. Disney will throw anything at the wall and see what sticks and then make a franchise out of it. If it makes money. Uh, yeah. I mean, e- even if it makes just the tiniest bit of profit. Because um, right after this movie comes out, you're seeing Descendants dolls right on shelf right next to the Monster High dolls. The um, the purse that Evie carries 
I have seen that purse in so many stores, and honestly, I didn't even know where it was from. I mean, it's the it's the the heart. You know, you put her heart in this. Yeah, but the thing is, is that I I always just thought it was that. But now that I've seen this film, I was like, oh no, that is the exact purse. It's not just like oh they made a purse out of that but like no it is literally evie's purse and i didn't realize that that's what it was and even if you didn't know it i mean if you're still familiar with snow white oh it's the box that the post put the heart in i that looks cute i'll buy it (laughs) in in fact i almost did a couple of times and i was like yeah i'm not that into snow white you know but and honestly it's a cute purse (laughs) and then you would have to get an actual heart to put in it it's all messy yeah, I know. It's it's not really that easy to clean out. They need to make it out of more easily washable materials. Before we really deep dive into this, we 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 do have to make some comment because it's very clear we are not the audience for this. We are two grown adults in our 40s watching a movie that was really intended for 10-year-olds maybe. I mean, it's it says it's made for like tweens and teens. But when you watch this film, it really comes off for like, hell, you know, if you're if you're 10, it kind of feels like you're aging out of this film's demographic. I, I don't I don't know. I feel like if I'd have watched this movie at 12, I would have been like, wow, this really feels like baby stuff. <laughs> Especially with the way the the two villain boys act. Oh yeah, the two villain boys feel like they are uh, like I I know that the trope is like oh boys mature less fast than girls and all that kind of nonsense, but like the boys really feel like they're in a completely different movie for half the movie. But you know, there is something really bizarre about these decom movies in the fact of we watch a lot of stuff that is aimed at children and we enjoy it like we watch a lot of stuff that is aimed at very small children and we can we can still go like oh you know we are not the target audience for this but we still enjoy it mm-hmm. And there is something about a decom movie that makes you just feel ancient if you watch it as an adult. And These I, are some of the most childish things we ever watch. And I think it comes down to the um, how they are addressing the audience. Because we can watch a kid show, let's say DuckTales or some or Gargoyles, and it's clearly that this was intended for young children, but they're not talking down to the audience. They are they understand that not only are children watching this show and they are smarter than you think they are, but also there there are cases where they are watching this show with their parents. So you got to throw in something for the parents, too, or not make it so dumb that a parent is going to roll their eyes and take out their phone. OK, watch this kid. I'm I'm going to check my email or check Facebook or something. So it's something that 
you know, it's it's in the spirit of what of what Walt did when he was making his entertainment. He wasn't just making entertainment for the child watching. He was making entertainment that the parent can enjoy as well. The DCOMs is throwing all of that into the garbage and saying, we're making this movie for tweens. We're making this movie for young kids and no one else. And if a parent is watching, oh, I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, dad. I'm sorry, auntie and uncle and grandma. You're just going to have to suffer. The, the thing is, is that, you know, it's interesting that you brought up Walt's philosophy because Walt's philosophy was never that he was making entertainment for children. Because I have seen interviews with Walt where he has said, uh, no, I don't make entertainment for children because children don't have the money. <laughs> I mean, he was very clear about that. He and his animators and filmmakers were making entertainment that pleased themselves. But they also did it in a family-friendly way. And a lot of the movies that are coming, a lot of the feature films, I'm going to stress this, the animated feature films follow that same philosophy. Entertain as much of the audience as you can. It's just that a lot of people are going to see these as kids' movies, but if mom and dad is going to enjoy the movie as well. Yeah, and that, I think, is the best philosophy to have towards family entertainment. Because I mean, he's right. I mean, the kids don't have the money. And yeah, you know, kids can be like, I want to see it, I want to see it, I want to see it. And eventually the parents are going to give in. But the parents are going to give in a lot faster if it looks like something the parents don't have to suffer through. I mean, Jim Henson had the same philosophy. Yeah. I mean, you know, make makes something for adults that your kids can sit through. If it's something that the entire family can enjoy on some level, it gets more of the audience share. We have talked before about the evolution of children's cartoons and how when we were kids, they frequently talked down to the audience. And it wasn't until the Gargoyles era, the Batman, the animated series, the, you know, some of those kind of darker, more serious cartoons that they started kind of taking children seriously as an audience mm -hmm. and that the difference between the original DuckTales cartoon and the updated DuckTales cartoon say and how they treat the audience and so I was hoping that when we talked about like Xenon which was made in the 90s and Descendants which was made just a few years ago that DCOM would have a similar evolution. You know? Xenon was made kind of back in that same era when we weren't taking children seriously as an audience as much. And it was like, well, you know, just put b bright colors and, you know, to have the children say weird slang and kids aren't really very, you know, intelligent as an audience. They'll just take whatever crap you put in front of them. But I was kind of hoping that DCOM, as 
a brand for better or worse would kind of evolve in the same way. And if this is any sort of measure of what DCOM is now, I don't think that's happened. And these are done by the same type of people who are doing the Disney Channel TV series. In fact, a lot of people, a lot of the actors from those TV series are in this movie. So you got similar writers, similar actors, in some cases, similar directors that in general are still, again, this is Disney, a Disney, a segment of Disney, but still Disney that is still looking down upon its audience. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to necessarily disparage the people entirely behind this. I mean, the director of this film is Kenny Ortega. Kenny Ortega is the guy who get who did Newsies, who did Hocus Pocus. I mean, he choreographed Dirty Dancing. Come on, this guy is a legend. I mean, he's literally a Disney legend. And then at some point in the early 2000s, he directed a bunch of DCOMs. And where did all that talent go? I mean, you kind kind of do wonder. I I don't want to disparage the guy. The guy is like he's directed some amazing stuff and stuff we've reviewed on here and loved. Um, And then you just kind of wonder, like, what are you, what are you doing here, man? <laughs> why why are you here? I I will say though that it, you know he choreographed this movie as well, and the choreography is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the the choreography for the musical numbers, he still got it as a choreographer because that's one of the things that's absolutely fire in this in this thing. Um. But yeah, I mean, he also did High School Musical for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I just wonder, kind of what's what's going on here. Let's 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 not waste any more time. Let's let's kind of get into the plot of Descendants. So twenty so years before this movie takes place, we have King Beast. Never given his name. No, they don't call him Adam in this movie. He's just the king. At some point, the king, King Beast, and Belle married, and they united all of the Disney properties into one country, the United States of Oregon, USA, USA, USA. Um, and, and and we want we want to make it very clear. The opening statement says that. He's King Beast, but then he becomes president of the United States of Oregon. No, he, he's elected king. They never say president. So he united all the Disney kingdoms. He, he got elected as king to become uh, the, pre, uh, the ruler of the United States of Oregon. Now, keep in mind that he was elected to be king and now 20 years later he is passing the crown down to his 
teenage son Ben, who is 16. 16. 16 years old gets to be king. Why does an elected official, regardless of what his title is, pass his position down to his son? Was Ben elected? We don't know. Anyway. But also, like, everybody else is kings and queens still. Like, Snow White and Sleeping Beauty and, like, they're all royalty still as well. And all their kids are still royalty as well. Like, as we meet them. Maybe they're just the kings of their respective states. And then there's just the overall king. Yeah, we we have no idea how this kingdom or country or United States of weirdness works. <laughs> and then, yes, and then King Beast banished all of the villains to their own land, the Isle of the Lost. Which, that name is just like salt in the wound would that make them all of the males lost boys they do use that reference in the film Mm -hmm. they do refer to um the two boys at one point as lost boys or at least one of them they call they call him a lost boy at one point so yeah um and the Isle of the Lost is, is covered by an anti-magic barrier. So no magic can be used and no one can leave the island. The thing is, is that the opening narration says that all of the the villains and sidekicks and etc. Goons, yeah. Go- goons and stuff. But there are so many people on this island. And it's only been one generation. So, at most, you only have, like, people 20 and under have been born on this island. You know, roughly. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe if they were brought there as a newborn, you know, because they got sent there. So maybe like 21 and under or so. How many how many people got sent to this island? Like, how broad was this edict, you know? How many villains are? Was it just are- people who were like, well, I, didn't, I don't think the evil queen was all bad. Like, nope, off to the island. You Like, you know? Like, like how many Disney villains are there? That, that'll that show you how many people are on this island. But, I mean, if the thing is, like, anybody who ever worked to support, like, there's a lot of magic spells compelling people throughout the Disney canon, you know, like... How how broad did they make this, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, there are so many people on this island in those crowd scenes. When you really start to think about the logistics of this movie, it really breaks it down. It really, it, the movie starts to come apart. 
really. Well, no, I mean, it just makes the beast a beast. I mean, you know, he's really living up to that name again. You're like, you're an actual monster in this. Black and white justice. It's just, you know, are you a good, were you good in your story? Well, you get to stay in in the USA. If if you're a bad person, and did, 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 you, did you do the most minuscule of bad things in your story? You get deported. I mean, there, there's a, there's a whole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 I said that intentionally. I said that intentionally. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's a, there's a whole thing there. Uh, and it's, it's not looking good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's really bad. And, and they cut them off from, magic they even cut them off from wi-fi according to the um yeah, one of the things we discover that they have apparently been cut off from is chocolate even because though the, the first thing we see the, the evil kids do is steal candy so so they've had candy before but specifically never chocolate because once they get a taste of chocolate that the kids kind of go bonkers for that or strawberries or fruits and vegetables yeah they they seem to have never had fresh fruits or vegetables because mel specifically says at one point that she's never had a strawberry and once she tastes one she just absolutely can't get enough of them um imagine what would happen if she ate a strawberry dipped in chocolate well they do have the chocolate fountain later and they're doing that, and the two boys, you know, once again lose their minds over dipping things in in chocolate. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, the since since young Ben here is going to be the next king, how that works, whatever. He makes his first proclamation is to invite some of the children of the villains to go to school in the USA. As a sign of goodwill. Specifically to his prep school. Yes. Where the goodest is never gooder than good or whatever their ridiculous little slogan is. Where all of the Disney characters' kids go. Because everyone in this school is either a Disney character or a child of a Disney character. So we get... And he specifically says, as we get the daughter of Maleficent, Mal, the son of Cruella de Vil, Carlos, the son of Jafar, Jay, and the daughter of the evil queen, Evie. Yes, she is just referred to as evil queen. Sure. This is the one character that I honestly believe should not exist. Because the evil queen's entire thing is vanity. I highly doubt that a character obsessed with physical beauty would have a biological child, especially since she utterly despised her stepdaughter. Yeah, I mean, maybe if there was a backstory that she had a child in order to use her in some kind of youth spell or something. But saw that that that's the that's tangled. <laughs> Wrong parent. <laughs> 
It's the only reason I can think of for a <laughs> for uh, a, so. a character like that to have one. But yeah, the the thing is is that there's so there's so many things like you know, we see that later with the fairy godmother. Like why why would the fairy godmother have a daughter? And when we saw the fairy godmother in the freaking Cinderella, she looked like no offense to the fairy godmother. I'm not sure how fairies age, but she definitely looked like she's a little past childbearing age. Yeah. And, and in in this one, she, 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 she looks quite young still. Yeah. So. But yeah, the, the fact that the, the villains all have children, even when it doesn't make sense is kind of bizarre. And, of course, all the children have names that are derivative of their parents. Like, you know, Corella has Carlos, Maleficent has Mal, Jafar has Jay, and Evil has Evie. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about our evil kids. Dove Cameron, Mal, the probably the biggest star of the young kids in this one. Uh... All of the kids here are Disney kids, as is tradition in these DCOMs. Duff Cameron, to Disney fans, was probably more well-known for the TV show Live and Maddie, where she played Live and Maddie. Again, I, I, I've never seen it. But uh, Marvel fans, she was the voice of Gwen Stacy, Spider-Gwen, in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon series. And fans of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will know her as Ruby. She may or may not be in that Powerpuff Girls reboot if that ever happens. Because she's supposed to play Bubbles. Remember that? I I kind of vaguely remember that that they were talking about that. So, yeah. She is our main character, Mal. So, and playing Maleficent herself, Christian Chenoweth. I love me some Kristen Chenoweth, but she is grossly miscast in this movie. Honestly, I'm going to disagree. I thought this was the best casting in the whole movie. I don't know. She's the complete opposite of what the Maleficent from the original movie is. Like She's at least a foot and a half shorter than she should be. With the horn, she's barely reaching the top of uh, Dove Cameron's head. And she's just too chew. I love chew the scenery acting, but that doesn't feel like Maleficent. But you know, for this movie, it works because nobody in this movie that is playing a pre-existing Disney character is anything like the pre-existing Disney character. So she kind of comes closest, like when she actually does her evil Maleficent bit, she kind of at least gets evil. You know? And, And we're a year after the Angelina Jolie Maleficent, and they heavily based her costume off that. Yeah, I mean it. It looks it looks better in my opinion. Um, but at least like you 
you believe Kristen Chenoweth as like a mom you don't want to disappoint, which is kind of what she's supposed to be. She has the only song in this movie that's actually a banger. Because she's Kristen Chenoweth. Because she's Kristen Chenoweth, but also that song is just... I'm I'm going to compare... It's not as good, but it's getting... It, it has... It reminds me of Eartha Kitt's I Want to Be Evil. It's not as good by any means, but it feels like that's what they were trying to go for. But at least it's a showstopper. Everything else in this is kind of a yawn as far as the music. And that's pretty early in the movie. That's within the first half hour, I believe. Yeah, but at least, like, Kristen Chenoweth brings the house down with her one one number. Yeah, she's not half-assing. I I will give that. She's not half-assing this performance at all. She's putting it all in there. And... I'll I'll mention it since, you know, uh, someone's going to be angry if I don't. Just a year after this movie came out, Christian Chenoweth and Dove Cameron once again play mother and daughter in uh, Hairspray Live. Remember when they did that live uh, rendition of Hairspray on NBC? Yeah, yeah. Christian Chenoweth played uh, Velmo Van Tussle. Dove Cameron played Amber Van Tussle. And once again, the villains. Yeah, yeah. And it's like. It's almost the same performance style in both of them for 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 Christian Chenoweth. But you know, I'm I'm just gonna say for this movie it works. If you had dropped this Maleficent into a more serious movie or whatever, it would be woefully miscast. But for a movie as doofy and incomprehensible as this one she's the perfect villain for this film Mm. and she's the only one that seems to really be having fun with it and she's the only one of the villains and I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm knocking Kathy Jimmy, who plays the evil queen, but the the other three villains just kind of like stand around in the background and do weird shtick. Kristen Chenoweth is the only one that you feel is actually a menace to the kingdom. The other ones you kind of feel just like run in circles and wander into walls or something. Like you feel like you could just like stick out a leg and they'd trip over it and you'd be like, okay, I've defeated that villain. But at least Kristen Chenoweth's Maleficent, you feel like it would actually take a little bit of effort. You can see why the doofuses over in the kingdom are actually kind of scared of her. Mm. I mean, they're not the brightest of bulbs either. You know, Mm -hmm. this is not exactly the fight of the century going on. 
but you can at least see why they were scared enough of her to, you know, in-bubble her on an island. I mean, she deserves better than this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess just Kathy and Jimmy. But, but... I don't know. I, I mean, I think even Kathy and Jimmy is kind of miscast. Again, for someone whose entire shtick is obsessed with physical beauty. Yeah, and the thing is, is that she... she Kathy and Jimmy is the evil queen tries to pull off mother that is I don't know about where you live but down here in the south we have this mother everywhere and it is the beauty queen mother it is the mother that has taken her daughter from the time that girl was a toddler and put her in dresses and makeup and taken her to like you know little miss corn patch pageant or whatever (laughs) and that has been that poor girl's entire life i grew up with girls like that and i felt so bad for them teaching yeah teaching her you know hey don't don't do this boys don't like that if you want to get yourself a man you got to act like this also don't act too smart you know, uh, men don't like smart girls. Pretend you're dumb. Yeah, no. and so Evie has been told that her entire worth is the traditional housewife. You know, you have to learn to cook and clean and sew and do your makeup and do your hair and, you know, find yourself a prince, you know, because your entire worth is finding a man of a certain status and that's that's it her entire thing is getting over to the mainland (laughs) i guess for lack of a better word and discovering that like oh she's actually really smart and talented and you know she has inner worth that does not have anything to do with finding a boyfriend i mean some of her skills do come into i mean her sewing skills which i cannot see the evil queen sewing anything but somehow her taught her daughter how to sew well i mean maybe someone else taught her daughter how to sew but you know i think the idea was that it's just it's yet another domestic thing yeah. that, you know. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to uh, Cameron Boyce, who does, who plays Carlos. Uh, yeah, he's probably, he's another Disney kid. Probably best known for the TV show Jesse. Again, I've never seen it. But, yeah. yeah. And his whole thing is that his mother, Cruella DeVille, Wendy, Ra- Rachel- Wendy Raquel Robinson, has insisted, has installed into her son a fear of dogs. That dogs are ravenous animals. They will bite your head off. Don't go near dogs. Dogs are bad. We did miss that uh, Sophia Carson is the one who plays Evie. Um, and she's known for Austin and Allie over on the Disney Channel. Mm. Um, so another Disney Channel kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Carlos, like that's 
that's his entire thing is is he's there to help his his mom you know cruella is one of those mothers that's very much like no where would i be without my son you you must constantly be here to help your poor mother and you know who would fluff my furs and do my hair and you know cruella is the only character that really feels out of place here because all of the other characters in here there are princes and princesses and villains in those kind of stories and then you have a relative 20th century villain like Cruella de Vil. Yeah, her her place in the story it feels it feels out of place as does Carlos. I mean, the rest of them have these kind of big ethical things to get over, you know? As far as these these big ethical hurdles to learn in their going over to the mainland and Carlos's big ethical thing to learn is dogs are nice. I mean, like that really is his entire character arc. Like, I think because Cruella and evil queen would have two, two similar motives. Cause evil queen is all about vanity and looks and you have to get yourself a man. And Cruella's whole thing is outer appearances are important. It's, it's matter. It, you gotta dress right. You gotta be fashionable. So their kids would likely have the same uh, character arc. So they decided we're just gonna make her kid afraid of dogs. Like they could have used a different villain. Like, yeah, I, I mean, Dis- Disney villains as a as you know- a line mm-hmm. have a lot of really cool villains like why not gaston they name drop gaston yeah i mean can you imagine if ben said oh yeah we're gonna have gaston's kid come to our school and then gaston's whole thing is about selfishness and self-centered and and, you know it's all about what someone can do for you versus what you can do for someone else and then his kid learns okay maybe i can but then again that's jay's whole thing Jay's whole thing is learning how to be a team player. Well, I mean, but Gaston was also about only seeing the surface beauty of things. You know? Mm-hmm. And that is a different, you know, what if he got to the school and fell in love with, you know, someone who everybody considered like oh that's the ugliest kid in school or whatever this is where you would get like a daughter of one of the dwarves and we'll get to that guy in a minute well no i mean or you could even do it with you know that's jane's whole thing who is uh the fairy godmother's daughter is that she doesn't think she's pretty enough and she's constantly asking mal to give her a makeover what if she had more of a makeover, you know, maybe not an extreme one, but maybe, you know, you could get Evie to do her makeup and you sew her a new dress and, you know, and Mal could 
magic her hair into, you know, a very different style or whatever. And then Gaston's kid could be like, oh, no, I liked the other you better. This is no, you know, this you isn't look the too real different you. now. This yeah. isn't the real you. I fell in love with the real you, you know. Um, And that could be, you know, his his arc, you know, was it's something akin to Bell's. Yeah. About learning that, you know, beauty is on the inside and, you know. I know a lot of I know there are other there are two more of these movies, but we are really focusing on the first movie for Yeah, and honestly, I have not looked to see what's in the, the other movie. Neither have I, but I'm aware this, there are three this of them. Could, this could come up in other movies, but like we're just we're just talking about this one. It's the only one we've looked into. So if they come up in other movies, well, we're psychic or whatever, because I have not even looked at Wikipedia pages for the other ones. But you know, it just it doesn't really work here because the other three have these like big important lessons to teach kids, and the other one is like just like don't be afraid of dogs. Dogs are cute. Like, <laughs> which I mean, that's a fine lesson about getting over irrational fears, I guess. Cause his fear is irrational. He has never met a dog. It's not like, Oh, a dog bit me when I was a kid and now I have a fear of it, which if you are listening and you're afraid of dogs and that happened to you. Okay, fine. That's, that's a that's fair enough that's a more rational fear you had a bad experience and now you have a fear i'm not knocking that but this kid has his entire fear is his mom has just said like all dogs are monsters and if you ever meet one they will eat you he has never met a dog before he doesn't even really know what they look like so he sees like this tiny little like terrier mutt puppy and he's absolutely terrified that it's going to devour him that is an irrational fear okay i feel like they i feel like they could have gone further with a different character and a different fear but i'm i don't know if this movie was really willing to go that far with it like yeah. oh yo yo don't mess with the dwarves you don't you know dwarves are bad people or elves or fairies, but I feel that's a lesson that this movie really didn't want to go into. Well, they do try to go into bigotry, but it's the it's the bigotry of like everyone on the mainland hates the villain kids because they're villain kids, and we yeah. see that come up, and it's it's a good point about don't hate people just because of who their parents might have been or where they come from or whatever. You have to judge people on their own merit, which is a great lesson. And and, and it works hand in hand with the other lesson is you do not have to follow in your parents' footsteps. You know, yeah, you, 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 you are you not decide your own destiny. Yeah. Decide your own destiny. The, the sins of the father, the sins of the mother do not have to go down to you. But also, it does have another good point of that is quite a lot shown in our fourth character, who we might as well get into, which is the son of Jafar, Jay. Uh, Yeah, he was Warpath in the uh, X-Men Dates of Future Past movie. He was in 
the Twilight movies. He actually is in Kenny Ortega's most recent uh, production for uh, Netflix called uh, Julie and the Phantoms. So I've never seen yeah. that either, but, you know. His name is Boo Boo Stewart. Mm-hmm. Boo Boo Stewart. Yeah, he 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 plays uh, Jay, the son of Jafar, and uh, Jafar is played by Maz Jabrani, who is a um, comedian who was on uh, just like every uh, comedy sitcom uh, show at the time. Like he was constantly just on everything uh, right about then. Uh, so wasn't really a big surprise that they picked him for this part the performance of jafar is weird because he's a thief i thought aladdin was the thief well i think that the idea of what has become of jafar and his son is kind of interesting because They've all, by their circumstances, kind of become the thing that they hated. It's the the point that I really wanted to talk about that I wish the movie had kind of gone into more because it would have been a lot more interesting than the stuff they focused on. Which is that the Beast created a ghetto situation. He took all these villains and he stuck them in a place of poverty and filth and he didn't let them have education or access to the outside world. Like she makes it a point that they don't have Wi-Fi or, you know, power or whatever. We do see that they get that they four main villains at the end of the story get sent a TV so that they can watch the coronation because their children are there. But we get the sense that nobody else on the island is getting that same privilege. You know, Mm -hmm. the mainland is 2015 technology. They've got cell phones and, you know, laptops and laptops and everything. The the opening the opening that is this a storybook that opens into an iPad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've got all of this modern convenience stuff to our world. And the island looks very much a kind of a Renaissance technology feel. Mm-hmm. So it looks like the island has been kept hundreds of years in the past. Even though it's only been 20. Yeah. um, Compared to what the mainland is getting. And it looks very filthy. And it looks very backwards in a technological sense. And in what they're getting, we know that they're not getting certain foods. We know that they're not getting certain amenities. There's no education because the kids have talked about having never been to school before. They talk about there being a lot of gang activity and how 
there's the expectation of constant violence and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So the movie really has this undercurrent that I wish they'd played into more of once the four children that we focus on are out of their homes, which are shown to be abusive homes. They have that whole conversation with Lonnie, who is Mulan's daughter, and she talks about having made cookies with her mom and how sweet it is. And when the kids are baffled, she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I just thought even villains love their kids, right? And you find out that, no, the villains did not love their kids. And it turns out that it was, that you know, probably a very abusive upbringing and they were not shown basic parental affection. Um, but you find out in the movie that like, once you remove those kids from that environment and give them just basic support and decent food and decent housing and access to education, access to education and, you know, social support and a place where violence isn't the norm and, you know, their skills are encouraged. Yeah. Um, and like a solid meal every day, you know, just these kind of basic things that they choose a different path because they are not under an expectation and they are not in an environment where that's their only you know, expectation. A nice example of uh, nature versus nurture. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, their nature is they are villains. They grew up in a world of villains. They are seen as villains, but they make the choice to be heroes. But the thing is, is that they cannot make a choice to be heroes on the island. Because there is no choice. They there there is it. there is no choice. They say it point blank. We do not have a choice. This is who this is who we have to be on the island to yeah, survive. And and they cannot escape literally their parents' wrath. I mean the the thing is is that they are doing what they're doing because if they do any different, they will suffer punishment whatever that may be from yeah. their parents because and they they literally cannot go anywhere else there is a magical barrier over that island and um, that and that, that leads to the plot the other part of the plot of the movie is that the once the four children are chosen the parents make the choice your job is to go there and get the fairy godmother's magic wand because it's the only thing that can destroy the ba- the barrier that keeps them on the island. And when they are free, they are going to take over the world and take revenge on all of the heroes and heroines that trapped them on that island all those years ago. That's the thing, is that they have a an interesting thing that comes back later, which is the magical staring contest between... Maleficent and Mal. 
where they get glowy eyes and they have a staring contest and a force of will and Maleficent wins. And so Mal goes, okay, I'll do it. Fine. But the thing is, is that Mal doesn't want to do it from the beginning of the movie. She already doesn't want to do it. Is it's not really about a, it's not really a story about a girl who changes. It's a story about a girl who didn't want to do a thing. And it ends as a story about a girl who didn't want to do a thing. Yeah. You know, it it's kind of interesting because the only thing Mal wanted was just kind of off the island. I mean, she she, she just she, she wants her mother to be proud of her. Well, yeah. Which is the one thing that's never happened in her life. And she feels like, well, if I go full villain, if I steal the wand and free her from her prison, then maybe my mom will love me. That's all she wants. She wants her mom to love her. Which goes back to what we said before, or what you said before with, with Lonnie, that, you know, even villains love their kids, and yeah, no, no, they don't. Because they're villains. Yeah, and that's that's really... That's really all any of the, the kids want is just some kind of validation from somebody they want somebody to be proud of them because you know or or some kind of affection in their life because they've never had that evie thinks that it will come when she has a boyfriend because then she's been taught affection from the boyfriend and also her mother will be proud of her because she bad friends (laughs) Yeah, and um, Jay thinks that, you know, that big score, because he's a thief. Um, I mean, the big score being the wand, stealing the wand in general. Or yeah, just what, but, whatever, he can, whatever he can get his hands on. You know, if he finds another magic lamp, because we see him steal a lamp and Jafar is very happy and starts rubbing it. And he's like, no, nah, dad, I already tried. It's, it's just a lamp. And you know, Jafar is really upset. So um, wondering, I'm still wondering how, how uh, Jafar came back from that whole being a genie thing. But uh, this movie doesn't seem to care about that. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think them having all of the villains end up being kind of the thing that they, didn't like you know maleficent being the master of magic and the the mistress of evil and now she has had her magic robbed of her you know mm-hmm. and she's just kind of there in a crumbling castle trapped on this island cruella has always been so into her looks and everything and now her clothes are just covered in dirt and you know, uh, and then Jafar has to become the poor merchant and his son is the street rat thief. And the evil queen now is not a queen, a queen anymore, because they say repeatedly in the movie, you know, she has no royal status anymore. Um, who's 
you know, lost her youth and lost her, you know, good good looks and now her daughter is not really in a position to marry up because there is no up on the the island. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, she's she's lost her wealth and her position and her, you know, all of her status that she worked so hard to get. So oh, yeah. I, I I really I really like kind of how they've they've cast them as far as you know what what has happened to the characters. I, I don't like what they've done with them in other aspects of their and all the stuff that we talked about kind of gets forgotten after the first half hour of the movie because it feels like four or five episodes of a TV show that never happened. Like, yeah, it, feel, it feels like the old Disney movies were it wasn't necessarily a movie, but a series of vignettes. Like, oh, Jay is a rough house. Oh, he'll make a perfect member of the team and he becomes the MVP. Oh, Carlos is afraid of everything. Well, we'll we'll put him on the team, too, and he can get some confidence. Evie has to pretend to be dumb, but turns out she's actually pretty smart and can pass the test without cheating. Yeah. You know. It it does does kind of feel like that. It, It, I don't know, if. It feels like kind of a half-baked idea some of the time. And I kind of feel sad about it because it feels like there's so much more they they could have done. And some of these characters would have been way more interesting, I think, if they'd have just had the chance to flesh them out a little bit more. Mhm. So, uh, but we it have would have to... been a more interesting miniseries, I think, rather than a movie. Yeah. And what bothers me is the constant "Hi, I'm name child of popular character," and that's how every character introduces themselves. Hi, I'm Jane. I'm the daughter of the fairy godmother. Hi, I'm Audrey. I'm the daughter of Sleeping Beauty. Hi, I'm Doug. I'm Dopey's son. That's Chad. He's the son of Cinderella. I'm Lonnie. I'm Mulan's daughter. For a movie, that entire point is you are not what your parents are. They sure like to drive it home that these kids only character only character is they are the child of popular Disney character. But honestly, the movie doesn't spend enough time to give them a character other than care about them because they are the child of somebody you care about. I mean, beyond the four main ones and Ben and a little bit of Doug. I would say Jane as well. Yeah, Jane Jane gets a little bit of characterization too. But like Audrey gets no characterization other than mean girl. Yeah, okay, okay, Aurora. Okay, Cindy. What kind of parents are you to raise these two spoiled brats? 
Yeah, I mean, Chad is just the worst. The fact that he's introduced as Chad Charming Jr. So, does that make Prince Charming's first name Chad? So, yes. At least according to this movie, Prince Charming's first name is Chad. I mean, I could see it if they wanted to to retcon that, but as far as I know, this is the only movie that ever tries to, to do it. He is total spoiled brat. You know, hey, Evie is trying to get hooked up with a prince, and Chad is completely taking advantage of her. Oh, oh, you can cheat using a magic mirror. Do my homework. Yeah, and then once she's not useful to him anymore, he totally rats her out to the teacher, which is just, again, the worst. Complete Richard maneuver. Yeah. No, the thing I found so funny was he was like, he he slips her a note that's like, meet me under the bleachers at three. And she meets him under the bleachers. But the thing is, the bleachers have just the biggest gaps in them. You can see right through the bleachers. As we see, as Doug has been stalking Evie this whole movie. Well, no, no, no. But the camera just pans through so you can see her walking behind the bleachers to go meet him. And I was like, this idiot does not even know that the reason you meet somebody under the bleachers is because that's where you can't be seen. If you can be seen under the bleachers, that's not a good place to meet. (laughs) Yeah, but he's not meeting her for that. (laughs) He's not meeting her for that. Even though but Edie even thinks so, he he's meeting her to cheat on his homework. So maybe also pick a place where you can't be seen. Chad is not smart. <laughs> and then, you know, you have old, old Doug who seems to have a, a little sweetness for, for Edie saying, hey, you know, you're smarter than that. You You don't really need to do what he tells you to do. But, you know, and, you know, Doug eventually stands up for Evie once it's called out that she's been cheating. Says, well, sir, sir, give her a chance. If she can pass the test without cheating, then, you know, don't you you won't go to the headmistress about this and we can drop the matter. So Doug does stand up for her. Speaking of our headmistress. Fairy godmother is the headmistress. (laughs) She's our Dumbledore for her uh, this 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 uh this uh, movie and teaching the villains remedial goodness in the most condescending way possible but i do i do love how mal figures out the class so quickly because she's able to just answer all the questions and the other three are like oh, man, you're answering all the questions so well. How are you so good at this? And Mal just goes, oh, yeah, just pick the answer that sounds like it's not any fun. And they're like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I was wondering, because I saw the fairy god, I was like, I know this person from somewhere. I know this person from something. Uh, it's Melanie Paxton, and she's the Gladware lady. That's how I know her. She's the woman in the Gladware commercials. <laughs> She first uh, came into the Disney family when she had a part in Saving Mr. Banks. Hmm. 
So they uh, they brought her over from that into this. So not her first time with Disney. So yeah, and well, since her teacher is the fairy godmother, Mal wants to get buddy buddy with Jane, her daughter. Critiquing her looks. Oh, you know, boys aren't going to like you because you're ugly. I can give you a makeover and make you beautiful because, you know, your mom made Cinderella beautiful. Why won't she do that to her own daughter? You know, she could just wave that magic wand and fix all of this. Doesn't she love her own daughter more than she loves Cindy? Come on. That was actually, like, the most evil that Mal gets this entire movie, is what she does to Jane in that bathroom. Yeah, and it's, and that affects Jane for the rest of the movie. That's gonna affect Jane for the rest of her life. Like, even once, once, like, Mal kind of fesses up at the end of the movie and was like, "I'm, I'm sorry, that was just me. Being evil, trying to get hold of the wand, and like, like she, she comes clean at the end of the movie and tells Jane, like, you know, you're actually really beautiful, and you know, like, Jane is gonna be messed up for the rest of her life over what was said in that bathroom. Hey, cause yeah, cause, for, cause Mal gives Jane a a new hairstyle, which instantly makes her popular, to the point where she lets popularity get to her head and she ditches Mal. Like, you know, hey, you're, you know, you're never going to be anything good because, you know, you, you're you the villain and now I'm cool. I don't need you anymore. But the thing that we discover is that, you know, before they leave the island, we see Maleficent give Mal her spell book and she says it's useless on the island. But once you pass the barrier, you'll be able to use magic. When we get to the mainland, we find out that they don't use magic anymore because they consider it a gateway to evil. Even the fairy godmother does not use magic. Her her wand has been put in a museum, under guard, behind a force field. Like, they do not teach magic anymore in the school. Anybody who had magic powers doesn't use magic anymore. The only kind of magic thing we see is that the beast statue in front of the school will transform when you clap your hands from man to beast and back because it's symbolism. But there's no other magic around. Except for Mal and her spell book, and she can really only do kind of tiny spells. And Evie and the magic mirror, which is well, it's, yeah. it's essentially a, um, a cell phone. Like, she uses the magic mirror like someone else would use a cell phone. Instead of yeah, hey, Siri, they don't it's really magic know mi- about the, the, the internet. <laughs> I mean, they kind of do, because she... She tries to figure out where the wand is, and then she's like, oh, I see the wand, but I can't see where it is. Uh, Zoom out. No, that it's like the entire Earth. And she's like, no, 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 zoom in. Zoom in. More, closer, closer. (laughs) 
That and was actually it, a funny scene. I did enjoy that scene. I think it's, yes, Jay opens up his laptop and says, yeah, it's like down the street. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like the entire kingdom or whatever of Oridon has become terrified of magic. It's really fascinating to me that they've done that because you would think that there would be so many magic users other than you know uh, other than the the evil ones i mean there were all of the the fairies genie genie um i mean we never see aladdin jasmine Not uh, or their or their kid at this point mm. um but you know so many so many characters throughout these stories have magic other than the villains uh that it's, it yeah it's just they it don't use odd. them yeah so let's get to the 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 next part of this thing here cuz we're coming up on Ben's coronation as king and the only people allowed to be up front when the coronation happens is his parents and his girlfriend. Everyone else has to be, you know, further away. Cause at this point, Ben has kind of become friends with the villain kids, but say, Hey, we're your friends now. Maybe we can be up close. And when you're coronated, it can't do that. My parents, my girlfriend can be there, but no one else can be that close. Cause they found out after you know, they they tried, we, we kind of skipped, but they tried to break into the museum to steal the magic wand, and that didn't work because there was a force field and an alarm, so no go. And then they tried to get Jane to talk her mom into breaking out the magic wand so that she could have a makeover, and the uh, fairy godmother wouldn't do it. And that made Jane very unhappy, but, you know, no go there. But then they found out that the magic wand is always used in the coronation ceremony. And so it will absolutely be there. And everyone in the school is invited to attend the coronation because of, of course they are. Why wouldn't they be? It's, it's a coronation. Everybody you go to school with is, is invited to your coronation. Uh, duh. Apparently. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so that's their new plan. Um, and they come up with a thing of like, Hey, we want to be near all that goodness. You know, the magic wand is like really, really good. And we want to be really good. Let us up front. And he's like, Nope, just me and my parents and my girlfriend. And so they're like, well, I guess he needs a new girlfriend. Let's make a love potion. <laughs> yeah, and this is where Lonnie comes in, and we had that discussion of don't your parents love you while they're making a love potion. And the key ingredient of a love potion is a tear of sadness. Which, but you know... None of the villain kids ever cry because that was discouraged, and so they were like, well... How do we get a tear of sadness? But Lonnie actually cries when she finds out that their parents never loved them and 
they're like, oh, thanks for the tear. Okay, bye. <laughs> I mean, at first they think, well, we'll just cut up some onions and we'll get some tears that way. No, no, no. Apparently, emotional tears have more potency because this is a Disney movie and magic. Sure. So they she uh, they make the love spell. They uh, Mel decides, hey, I'm gonna. It's the the big game, the big game in the tourney, tourney. It gets called the sport tourney, and it's the yeah, final. It's it's like field hockey and lacrosse mixed together for some reason, but also people stand on the side of the uh, field and shoot ballistas at you, because why not? I don't know. It's weird. Quidditch, this is not. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the, that's the, excuse me, that's the whole point, is that Ben is going to be, Ben is on the tourney team, as is Jay and Carlos. But hey, we need to get you. Uh, so Mel decides, hey, I'm going to, I made you some cookies for good luck. And then Ben says, well, I never eat before I play. It's it's considered bad luck. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to have anything in his stomach while he's playing because it's a distraction. So Mel kind of plays, oh, you don't trust us because we're villains. You don't. You know, I thought we were cool. I thought you were cool. No, no, no. I'll, I'll have a cookie. I'll have one. It's just one can't hurt. And after the he, game, he takes a, very, a bite and it, and immediately falls in love with her. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and it leads to the big song and dance number. Yeah. The song is called Ridiculous. This whole thing is ridiculous. Yeah, the, the, that number goes on too long, and it's too repetitive, and it's so annoying. So, yes, very publicly, after the big game, after the championship game, yes, they stress that this is the championship game. The captain of the team breaks up with his girlfriend and hooks up with Mel. Well, Audrey doesn't seem to be so heartbroken over it as she immediately starts dating Chad. Yeah, it's a it's a spite date. Yeah. The um the other thing that happens at this game is we get the resolution of Jay's character arc. Because Jay's character arc is starts when right as they're leaving the island Jafar turns to him and says, remember our family motto, there is no team in I. And so you can tell that, you know, there he's been raised with only look out for yourself, steal whatever you can get your hands on. You know, when he gets to the school, he immediately starts stealing everything. And Mal even says, what's the point of that when we take over the land? We can just take whatever we want anyway, you know, just chill out and wait for it. Um, but eventually, Fairy Godmother sends them out, sends Jay and Carlos out to the tourney field because they keep roughhousing in class. 
And she says, no, 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 you should put that into sports. Carlos is not the greatest at the sport, and Jay is immediately like, oh, wait, you know, I'm, I'm allowed to do violence to, to people? Yeah, there there we go. And but he's also the coach, rough, yeah, he starts roughhousing his own team. Yeah, the coach is like, no, 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 you, you've got talent, but you need to see a rule book. And so there's a whole scene where the coach sits down and is like, you need to learn to be a team player. And Jay is like, I do not understand any of those words that you have just said to me. And he's like, you know, a team's like a family. And he's like, yeah, you, you don't want to meet my family. Um, and so he explains it to him like, you know, well, it's like the parts of your body working together, you know, and, Jay's like, I want to be the fist. And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Okay, just as long as you work with other people. And so finally at the big game, uh, Jay and Carlos end up working together to set up Ben to make the final goal to win the game. His story arc is all about learning to be a team player and learning to, you know, come together and you know, the cohesiveness of a group and everything. It's really kind of cool that as they're hatching their final plan to get the wand, Jay is now the the one saying, like, you know, we can we can do this as long as we stick together as a team. And, you know, he's really emphasizing the teamwork now as opposed to you you do your thing and I'll do mine and you know eventually one of us will grab the wand and then we'll prove our you know which was how they were approaching the plan to begin initially with. yeah but yeah Ben absolutely makes a complete you know weirdo of himself at the big game afterwards with his absolutely awful song and then asking Mal to go with him to the coronation and asking her on a date by the enchanted pond or whatever. Yeah. And they have this little cute, it's, it's really the cutest thing in the movie and it doesn't last long because it's the only point in the movie where these two characters are acting like people. Then it turns out that it's right before the coronation day. It's what they call it's a parent day where all the parents of the students come to visit school. But since the villains aren't allowed to leave the island, they do a little video chat with the with the. uh, This is where the TV comes in, where the uh, where the parents are allowed to uh, Skype in or Zoom in to uh, to see their kids and what they've been doing and. The kids kind of start to stand up to their parents about, hey, we don't we don't have to start doing this. We, but I mean, it's a nice yeah, moment. Things, things really go bad because uh, Cruella sees Carlos with a dog and he finally stands up to her and is like, no, it's a nice dog. It's it's a pet. I'm not going to turn it into earmuffs. I'm going to keep it and cuddle it and call it George. And yeah. Which leads to the worst rendition of Be Our Guest I've ever heard. It's not good. No. The no, only, it's like a the rap only, 
version of Be Our Guest. And, the only you know. classic Disney song from a classic Disney movie in this thing. Yeah, it's... No. 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 But, yeah, so we have the parent day where all the parents are there. And this is where things start to go south because Aurora's mother... Meets Grandmother. Oh, 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 no, no, no. You said Aurora. Sorry. Go ahead. Aurora's mother, Audrey's grandmother, meets Evie. Yeah, Queen Queen Leah, who you don't really hear about much in Disney media anymore because she doesn't have much of a much of a role in uh, in Sleeping Beauty at all, really. Yeah, you hear more about her husband. And really, that's a, more because he's kind of the villain of Maleficent. King Stefan, which, uh, again, villain of the Maleficent movie, which came out a year before this one did. And, yeah, once once Queen Leah meets Evie, she first thinks, this is Maleficent. What are you doing here? How are you so young? What did, you know, why are, you know, all of this stuff. Like, no, 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 no. This is not Maleficent. This is her daughter, Mel. Why are they letting you here? Why are they letting any of you here? Because of your mother, I missed my my daughter's first step, her first word. I lost 16 years because of your mother, and they're letting you here? Which is the best acting in this movie? Yeah, the, the actress playing Queen Leah just absolutely nails it. Judith Maxie and she just it's the pain like uh, I mean like she is yeah and this gives the opening to all of the other students to just pile on the villain kids and and Audrey does kind of come in and she's like you know yeah no my grandmother's right and then Chad has to come and butt in and be like, no, Evie, you know, Evie's a a gold digger and a cheat. And they say that Jay is, you know, violent and a thief. And I I forget what it is they say about Carlos. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they level accusations at, at all of them. I mean, Mal says, you know, you you couldn't even find your own man. You had to steal someone else's. Yeah, yeah. That Audrey Audrey says that Mal stole her boyfriend. You know, that's which, I mean, she did. Yeah, <laughs> she did. Um, but it, it 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 enforces the thought into them that no matter what what they do, no matter how hard they try to be good people they will always be seen as lesser than. A fight breaks out between Jay and and Chad, and Evie has to use this, like, sleeping potion that Mal whipped up for use later in their plot to get the, the wand. And, of course, immediately it's like, oh, they're using evil magic, you know, and 
it really it was just Evie trying to make sure that nobody nope. got hurt in the fight. And Ben tries to stick up for them. Hey, it wasn't their fault. They were getting picked on. And then Beast, in the coldest moment in of this character, said, no, it's not their fault. It's yours. You brought them here. Okay, Beast. You were the one that sent them away to, in the first place. It's a, it's a thing of you understand where Queen Leah is coming from. Like... She will never get that time back with her daughter, and you do feel for her. Saying this after we just saw the Ant-Man trailer was saying the same thing. Yeah. That is not Mal's fault. You know? But the spoiled kids took the opportunity to dog on them, though. That was just the opening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, you feel for Queen Leah in that, but she still has bigotry. Like... You know, why are you allowed here? And, you know, you're she's blaming Mal. And it's like, well, Mal wasn't there. She wasn't born yet. You know, um, and she probably never would have been born if Maleficent wasn't, you know, shoved on that island. Because can you imagine Maleficent having a daughter any other way? Yeah. You know, D- then there's the the thing of now of course everybody's mad at the four and the four are sitting at a table by themselves and all of the all of their friends that they've made this entire movie turn on them yeah and like like you know doug who has been the only one to believe in evie this entire movie just turns you know turns his back on her said i can't be i can't hang out with you anymore Jane, who is now one of the popular kids because of her makeover, says that Mal is nothing but a villain and they're never going to make a villain into the queen. And so Mal undoes the makeover makeover and puts her hair back the way it used to be. And so now everybody's making fun of Jane, which is like, you know, what fickle little Mal is like, no, no, no. They want us to be evil. We're going to be evil. You know, let's let's get the wand. Let's burn this whole place down. And all but she still loves Ben. So she makes another baked good that has the antidote to the love spell because she says, you know, when we come back over here, you know, when we set our parents free and they come over here and they take over everything, it just seems extra cruel to still have been in love with me. And so she's going to give him the antidote after the, after the, the coronation. coronation. But in the carriage ride over there, she gives him the the box with the treat in it. And she's like, Hey, you know, after the coronation, you're going to need a little carb. Pick me up, eat this after the coronation. And I'll help pick, you know, give you your, your energy back. And he's immediately like, no, 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 I need energy now. And eats it. And she's like, no, oops. And he 
makes a joke about it and she's like do you feel any 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 different now and he's like i don't know let's give the anti-love spell time to work and she's like what (laughs) and you find out that uh the enchanted lake removes all spells and so he realized at that point he had been under a love spell and but but it's cool because she went through all the effort to make him fall in love with her so he's pretty cool with the whole situation which yeah um, he he doesn't realize that she did it as a plot to get the wand he thinks that she had a crush on him and didn't think that he would ever consider like going out on a date with her because she's a villain and so she tried the love spell anyway but he was like you know i already had a crush on you anyway and i I probably would have just gone out with you anyway if you'd asked so you didn't really need the love spell it's fine i haven't been fake you know i haven't been faking my feelings for you i just really liked you anyway yeah, uh, they they get inside and we see all the villains watching on a TV from the island waiting for the for the moment where Mal will grab the the wand and break the barrier. Um, and we see, kind of see that as as uh, Fairy Godmother is is having the wand and bestowing the 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 kingship onto. Then someone grabs the magic wand out of her hand. And given the circumstances, we're supposed to think it's Mel, who immediately points the wand at the sky and breaks the barrier in the land of the lost. But it turns out it's Jane that grabbed the the wand and coincidentally did all of that because... She has let the whole thing go to her head. It's like, you know, I've asked you, I've begged you, if you won't make me beautiful, I'll do it to myself. You know, the whole losing the makeover thing has really messed her up. The whole scenario with Mal and her have been messed her up. And as you said, she might be messed up for the rest of her life and uh, about the way she looks. Yeah. You know, Maleficent thinks that it was... uh mal and so she immediately grabs her staff which works now because now the barrier is broken magic works now and she transforms into the worst cgi fog ever and begins to fly over to the mainland the worst cgi fog and then the worst cgi dragon even by tv movie standards yeah, I mean, this is I've I've seen I've seen YouTubers with better graphics. I mean, I just have it's it's painful. As she's flying over there, because boy, does it take her a hot minute to get over there. It takes her about ten minutes longer than it should. Yeah, but um, it, but but it gives it gives our our villain kids time to have their heroic speech. There, I learned something today, speech. You know, I learned something today. Um, but Mal grabs the wand from Jane, and then she stands there while everybody goes, Oh no, a villain kid has the wand. What are you going to do with the wand? And she goes, You know what? Uh, I've learned something today. I don't want to be evil. I want to be good. 
Don't you all want to be good? Evil doesn't make you feel good. Good makes you feel good. Puppies make you feel good. Playing team sports makes you feel good. Making A's on tests makes you feel good. Isn't good better than bad? Come on, put your fists in the middle for good. Yeah. Yay. Mm -hmm. And then Maleficent shows up and is like, oh, my goodness. You bitches need evil. (laughs) And I'm agreeing with Maleficent because I was about ready to put my head through a plate glass window at that point. Hence why I said Maleficent should have been there 10 minutes ago. Like, oh, it would, yeah. It, it would have been hilarious if she had just shown up in the middle of that speech. Is that it's about this. It's about friendship. It's about, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I need you to stop yammering. You are such an annoying teenager. How did I uh, <laughs> Yeah. Where did I go wrong with this kid? Uh, Yeah. So Maleficent shows up and she's like, hi, I need to teach you about stealing a scene. Um, And she freezes everybody. And her and Mal have a heart to heart. And she's like, did I teach you nothing about how awesome evil is and how fun it is? These people are really boring and annoying and they used you for hairstyling and then treated you like crap and turned on you. The first chance they got. (laughs) And you're choosing them? I mean, I know I'm no picnic, but at least you knew where you stood with me. Um, and... Mal's like, yeah, but this is a Disney Channel movie, so I've got to choose the really boring moral of the day instead of, you know, thinking it through complexly. And so Maleficent's like, all right, dragon time. Love is the greatest superpower of all. Love makes you weak. (laughs) Yeah. So Maleficent turns into a dragon, which, again, as we said, just the worst CGI cut-and-paste dragon ever. And We get another staring contest. We get another staring contest, but this time Mal has the power of love. And that somehow... Not only only the power of love, but the power of friendship. Because The power of love and friendship. Yeah, because he says yeah. four hearts as one, four hearts as one. And apparently yeah, the, well, the power of four hearts full of love versus one heart full of evil is, yeah. And then it turns Maleficent into like a tiny little bearded dragon. Because that's and, how much love she has in her heart, you see. Yeah, except I, I've known so many adorable and lovely bearded dragons in my life, and they are full of love. And crickets, but mostly love. So, like, please, please stop with the lizard hate. Lizards are adorable. I think it's more on size. It's more on size. She was this big dragon because she was filled with evil. And now she's this tiny lizard because now she's filled with love. And that's how much love she has in her heart. 
Yeah, but I like but, lizards. They're adorable. Anyway, they trap her in, in Beast's spell jar that used to house the rose. And you hear Kristen Chenoweth go, help me. Um, also, um, Ben and Mal almost step on her as they hug, <laughs> which was really awkward. But, yeah. And then now, everybody and now, like yeah, everybody's has a party. friends now. Everybody's friends. All of the mean girls are nice, and everyone loves each other. And you're oh, that. and I we have to beautiful. tell Jane that she's that like Mal is sorry, and like I, I'm I'm sorry I gave you psychological damage and emotional damage, and I'm I, you're totes beautiful on the inside and the outside. You're just the prettiest little thing. Um, sorry about all the therapy you're going to have to go through, but, you know, that, that's just the way stuff is. Good luck with that. Because this is a musical. Can we hug and, it out? And since this is a musical, we need to get to the final musical dance party. And they're going to, like, stomp it out or rock it out or dance it out or something it out i forget what the song's called but it's really annoying and other characters who have no interactions up until this point of the movie are suddenly like hey i like you now because we're dancing also i'm just gonna say this there is one girl who keeps showing up in the crowd shots at the school who is a wheelchair user Mm mm-hmm and I desperately want to know whose daughter she's supposed to be. Because <laughs> everybody is the daughter of, like, some famous Disney character. But she's just, like, a girl in the crowd shots. And I want to, I want to know whose kid she is. Because she's just there. And she's there in, like, all the musical numbers and all the, like, big crowd scenes and stuff. She's one of the students at school. And they the camera keeps ling- lingering on her, like... Look at the diversity at the school and like, but they, they never give her a line or let her speak or tell us like whose kid she is. And I really just want to know. Who knows? (laughs) That's just what I want to know. Like she's just there in the background. And the movie ends with some sequel bait. Oh, you didn't think that was the end of the story. Did you? The end. And there's two more movies here, but, you know, I, neither one of us has seen them, so what, whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it's probably going to be a while before we're going to do another decom because, boy, does this make me feel old. Yeah, yeah. So let's, uh, we got to, but let's ask the question. Kiki, does Descendants have the magic I mean, it has Kristen Chenoweth, and I like Kristen Chenoweth. <laughs> but the rest of it, no. Kristen Chenoweth, yes. Judith Maxey, yes. Everything oh, yeah, that up. one that one scene was great. Queen, yeah. Queen Leah just acted her heart out, but, yeah, the rest of it just... <laughs> yeah, no, no, no magic. Even though there's magic in the movie, there's no magic in the movie. I mean, there were tiny parts I liked. I liked every, co- uh, almost every costume they put Mal in. Mm-hmm. It's it just awesome. 
you know, I, I liked a couple of like, the jokes. Like, I but... feel, and I hate saying, I think I've only said this, I rarely say this, but I think this movie would have been better if it wasn't a musical. Yeah, I like musicals, but with the exception of the one Kristen Chenoweth number, which was absolutely just that, that one's a banger. Like, all day, every day, I could listen to that song. That's a great villain song. Everything else was just not good. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, if this was not a musical, and I maybe if this was a TV series or a miniseries, because, like, that way you could kind of give the episodic nature of the movie time to breathe. I don't know. But it just, I kind of want to flesh, I I think it would have been better if they'd have, like, thought through the world a little bit. Yeah, because once you actually think about the world, the movie falls apart. Yeah, the movie seems really dumb when you think about the world. So if you'd have thought about the world a little more, gave the villains, gave the villain kids a little more complex story arcs in the things they had to learn and the ethical choices they had to make, you know, and maybe do the same for the, the heroes as well, you know, like maybe realize that like, Oh, the heroes actually made some kind of villainous decisions. Um, cause boy, did they, uh, it, it would have been, and like I said, you know, the the daughter of the the children of two of the most pure hearted princesses ended up being spoiled brats. Yeah, just but yeah. I mean, just the idea of like. Belle and Beast and the fairy godmother just decided like, oh, let's just trap a whole bunch of people on ghetto island over there and condemn them and all of their descendants into just the worst existence is a really straight up villain move yeah and it would have been really nice for somebody to have brought that up for any other reason other than Ben going like, well, can't we try to help the the kids? Like, we could teach them to not be villains instead of somebody being like, you know, they're probably not villains. They're probably just kids living in poverty with no other way out because we literally trapped them in a prison. I feel like if it were me, I had to do this movie. I eliminate Carlos J and Evie altogether and just focus on Mel. Bring up Maleficent as the evilest of the evil. And then you have Mel who is like the goodest of the good. Like she doesn't want to be evil and flesh out the world a little bit more. Cause I feel like the idea of we need to give Carlos J and Evie their own character arcs just are a distraction. And Dove Cameron, because of her growing popularity, becomes the centerpiece star of the whole franchise. 
just focus on Hertz from the beginning as the villain and then, you know, maybe introduce more villains in sequels or something. But it just feels like this it feels like this movie doesn't really have much of a direction of what it wants to be or at least it at least to me it just feels like this movie doesn't know what it wants to be yeah and there's there's good ideas here mm. um and i i i kind of feel bad that it wasn't better because I, I really wanted to like this one. I really, when I first heard the idea, I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. And I still hold by that it was a really good idea. I just wish the execution had been better. I mean, if you're a fan of this movie, great. It it just didn't do it for us. Yeah. So Except for Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, she's awesome in anything. Yeah. So let's move on to next week. Well, we talked about a lot of anniversaries for 2023. There's there's one more anniversary that we want to talk about. Three words. Let it go. Time to finally dive in and tackle the juggernaut. That is Frozen, which is turning 10 years old this year. We're going to go back. We're going to see if uh, after 10 years this movie still has it and uh, come back for that. And uh, we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And of course... New episodes every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. If you want to help the fight for human rights in the U.S., the American Civil Liberties Union works to protect constitutional rights for all Americans. Their website is aclu.org. If you need reproductive services in the U.S. or wish to donate to those who do, go to abortionfunds.org for more info. The battle isn't over until the last person surrenders. The fight continues.